Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. And I think for the first time in Kentucky Daily's history, we can now call it Mailbag Wednesday. Yeah, I just keep pushing that day back more and more. But hey, it's a uh, mailbag, whatever day we can get to it. You know what? The mail runs, what, six days a week? Sounds right. So we can. Like we, that. Yeah. So uh, if the mail runs six days a week, guess what? We can dish out the mail anytime we want to. So we're doing a Kentucky football mailbag for this Wednesday. Got a lot of great questions from you all. I promise you we're going to get to a basketball mailbag, too, here in the future. This is just such a big football week, Derek, that we're going to stay on this football topic uh, between number one, Georgia, and number 11, Kentucky. Let's go ahead and let's jump right into this mailbag. I know we got a lot of questions about injuries, a lot of questions about depth chart, things like that. Let's start with a question from Oliver, and then we'll throw Roberts in there as well. With D-line injuries, Will we see more of Isaiah Gibson? And then who steps up with Oxendine out? How's the depth now on the defensive line? Not great, um, especially at the defensive tackle position. To be quite honest, uh, I don't know that we really know how they're going to go about that at this point. Like I mentioned in the episode a few days ago, I think you'll see more Trayvon Ripka there. Um, I mean, Isaiah Gibson's a bit of an interesting case because he played quite a bit last season from what I remember as a redshirt freshman. And this year, he's really not been a factor at all. So I don't know if they've just got other guys. I mean, that's I think that's what you have to uh, assume. They just have other guys that they like more at that position. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think they're going to – that's to me is one of the biggest storylines, not, not, not just against Georgia, but, you know, well, I guess, one, how do they manage it against the Bulldogs? And then, two, when they get that bye week, they get some more time to kind of sit and uh, diagnose some things. How do they go about that position for the rest of the season? Yeah. And uh, staying on topic there with the D-line, so back to Final Four wants to know, it said appears the D-line appears to be suddenly thin. And, and it is. We know with McCall out, with Oxidine out, who are the most likely 2022 recruits to bolster the depth going forward? Um. I mean, do, you, do you think that's a portal position, too, for them that they could look at possibly? Where, where is that question? That is, that is actually in my DMs. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. I was just trying to, I was trying to loop it in before we go into to other stuff. I'm trying to keep it all on topic. My fault. No, you're good. Um, yeah. <laughs> but some, I mean, the defense lineman they have, they got Tommy Wall, George, I think they say his name. He's coming in next year. And then uh, Tyrese Fearby, <clears throat> excuse me, is a defensive end who will be coming in, and, you know, we'll see if he's going to be a jack linebacker or a true defensive end. Um, I don't I don't think it would hurt to go to the portal. If you get the right kind of guy, still, I still think there may be some other positions that they need to focus on first before going to, you know, if they have some space left over, they can add some guys, and that'd be good. And really, I mean, they might have a whole new kind of talent pool they can choose from here soon. If they keep winning games and have a big season, there might be some 22 guys that they can get in on. Um yeah, that might be what that question was asking. They're just uh, still a little early, I would say. I mean, you start two months still signing day. So, for a lot of these guys who are either committed, one to look around, or guys who are uncommitted, they might look at it and say, well, you know what, UK looks pretty good. Uh, they have a chance to do some good things. Like, I can be at least receptive to their pitch. So, um, still a lot to play out, I would say, there. 
but it is definitely getting thinner for sure this season. Yeah. And and the portal to me will always be guys that are instant impact. Like I think that that's the route that you try to go with the transfer portal. Look at what they've done this year. Everyone that they've brought in, it's it's been instant impact guys, quarterback, wide receiver, other positions, uh, stuff like that. So moving on. So this is from UK Shane. Guys, it's good to be 6-0, and but on the bad side, all this good success we're having in football, they're going to be coming knocking on the door wanting Coach Stoops. Do you think Mitch Barnhart needs to give him a new contract and build him a new football practice facility? Well, the last part of that, yes. Indoor football practice facility, get it done. I think, Derek, they're probably, in my opinion, I don't know this, I'm assuming there's already some discussions going on to maybe get something like that done. And if he keeps winning the way he is, he's going to earn a ton of incentives and bonuses. But you you probably do reconstruct his contract. If he gets to 10 wins regular season this year, you have to. He's doing things that's never been done at Kentucky before. Yeah, the indoor facility should be a given. I agree with that. I mean, that's got to be – that shouldn't even be, you know, negotiable in UK's end. You need to do that. Figure it out however you need to do it. Um, and then I agree. I just think uh, – it, he's definitely got to get a new a contract. I mean, as long as, you know, they don't totally fall off here on the back end. If they get back to nine, ten wins, then his base pay is going to – maybe even 11 wins potentially. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think his base pay is going to go up quite a bit. I mean, he's he's earned it with this. Either he's going to – either UK is going to pay it or, you know, some other school. Somebody's going to pay come, it, which Yeah. We have another question from Tim and DMs. It's kind of on the same topic here. With the season Kentucky's having, are we in jeopardy of losing Stoops to another school – or is he content at Kentucky? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how Stoops truly feels. Um, I would say they're certainly they've given uh, him everything he's asked, right? Like they, they've an indoor facility. That's an indoor facility. You give him in, an indoor facility now, and you make it one of the best in the country. And the way that they're winning, and you and I had some conversations yesterday after we stopped recording that. You you said it to me, and I don't know if you maybe you care for me saying it. I don't know. You can shoot it down. I can always cut it out if you don't like it. So <laughs> if you miss this part, but you still think that their best days are ahead of them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I and, mean, I, and I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what this question was that we were talking about. <laughs> oh, if people wanted to come get them, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, well, I mean, it's hard to say. Like we're still a couple months out, but you know, I think Stoops more so. From, from what I can tell right now, and who knows, I mean, there could be – it's college sports. There could be some retirement that people don't expect. There could be something come out. You just never know how it's going to go. I would say, though, in terms of being a front runner for any of the jobs that are expected to come open, I don't think that's going to be the case, but you never know with, like, kind of the ripple effect. I guess the guy I'd be watching the most right now is James Franklin because I think the Penn State job would be not only a good fit for Stoops, but I think uh, – being, you know, growing up in Big Ten country the way he did, I think that would be a pretty appealing job for him, to be honest. So I think that would be – and I think it would be a good fit for Penn State too. So that would be one that I would want to watch. But uh, James Franklin's always been rumored to go other places, and so far he's stayed put there. I mean, he's a Pennsylvania native and everything. So he's just one to watch, though, because he's very popular, I think, for that USC job right now. And now we're going to move into some injury news. Jonathan and Jason both here. Jonathan says, can you review who is injured and what effect it has against Georgia? And then Jason wants to know what player injuries does Georgia have? So we've talked about both teams are dinged up. Uh, Oxidown, obviously, McCall's out. Uh, Georgia has injury issues of their own right now, too. 
They do. It's uh, good timing on that because I did a Q&A with the Georgia Rider today. So I can give you the rundown for the guys who are hurt for Georgia. Obviously, you start with uh, JT Daniels. He's been practicing some, but he's not really played much. And it sounds like it's Stetson Bennett's game on Saturday. Um, so some of the other guys, you got a safety, Chris Smith, and then an offensive lineman, Jamari Saylor, who are probable for this game. They've been back practicing. And then th- this team is very beat up, a wide receiver. You got Jermaine Burton, who has a groin injury, Marcus Rosemi, Jack Saint, or uh, Rose, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Jack Saint's his last name. He got hurt brutally last year, though. I remember that in the uh, uh, Florida game. Hurt his ankle really bad. They're on track to play this weekend, though, so that's good for those guys. Um and it looks like fifth-year corner, Amir Speed, and Dominic Blaylock, who is actually the younger brother of uh, former U.K. twins, if you remember Zach Blaylock and Darren, who played at U.K. A uh, little bit of an age gap there between those siblings, but uh, he's doubtful as well. So then on U.K.'s end, I mean, you get the three starters, the big ones, Sox and Don, who we mentioned, and then Marquand McCall and Josh Ali is doubtful, but uh, seriously doubt that that's status is going to change. I think they're just going to be happy if he can play it. Mississippi State here in a few weeks. Um, I think that's it, though, Sean, right? And from, there have been a few injuries that uh, if you're, like, really hardcore into U.K. football, you might care about. Like, Seminelli got hurt in practice last week. I mean, he's a former pretty highly rated recruit who hasn't really played at all yet. But he got hurt. I think he's done for the year, if I read that right, or he's at least out for a little while. I saw him not dressed on Saturday. And then you've got the same small ones you've had all year, like Trayvon Morgan hasn't really dressed. Um, Dekel Crowdis obviously still isn't back doing anything yet. But in terms of, you know, what you would think would affect Saturday's game, it's, it's the three guys we mentioned already. A couple more in DMs here, staying on the same topic. This one's from Sam. Do you all think there's any chance that Kentucky lines up and is able to rush for 200-plus, even with their defense being as good as it is? If so – how does that change your view on the game if we do have success running the ball? And then I have another one, too, and this one made me laugh Saturday night. I'm standing walking into interviews, and Steven says, am I drunk enough to think that U.K. with their running game and D can beat Georgia? <laughs> if U.K. runs for 200 yards against Georgia, it will be one of the single great performances uh, yeah, in Kentucky They'll be the number one team in the country the following week. Yeah, I'd say they have a pretty good shot to win the game if they do that. Uh I think the number you would be thrilled to get on is 100 yards. If you can get to 100 yards, then I think you're – because they're only giving up 64 per game. So, if you can somehow get to 200, yeah, they're going to have a great chance. But I would not uh, – I don't think that's going to be a great chance that they get to that, though. What do you think about Chris Rodriguez right now on pace to break Mo Williams' single-season rushing record of, of that total? If, if he stays on the pace – I know Adam Luckett put that up last night on Twitter – what do you think about that? Like, I know he had the fumble issues there early in the season, Derek. We've we've lived through the Benny Snell years, but when you yeah. look up, the dude is literally just doing things that even Benny didn't do. This is for a single season. I haven't I haven't seen that tweet yet. Single season, yeah. Like he is on pace. He's he needs fourteen yard or seventeen yards against Georgia to have his best season as a Kentucky Wildcat. He's already oh, wow. at that going into Game Seven. And then he's on pace. It would be in the bowl game if he stays on this pace. He would break Mo Williams' single-season rushing record at UK. Well, that's, that's tremendous. I mean, it's a lot of credit to the offensive line. It's a credit to Cohen and obviously a credit to, to Rodriguez, who, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that snuck up on me. I feel like I did a decent job with the historical record stuff, but I didn't realize <laughs> he was having such – I mean, I know he still led the SEC, like, 
I was doing the Q&A today, and, like, obviously, Wondell's still – Wondell's barely holding on. He's barely leading the SEC in receiving right now. He, uh, he'll he need some good games to, to stay in front. But Rodriguez is still still doing a pretty good job staying in front of the rest. I mean, he's, he's looking like – Go ahead. Sorry. Go for it. Well, I'm just saying he looks like he's going to end up, you know, like we're saying, if he stays on this pace, stays healthy, he should be the kind of the rushing king this year in the SEC. Yeah. Mo Williams had 1,600. During, I think it was 1995 season, if I'm not mistaken, one of those 95, 96. Yeah, it's a little surprising Benny never got that, considering yeah. how much work he got. It, and it, it's crazy. So right now, Luckett's tweet says that Rodriguez is on pace for 1,664 rushing yards. That would be the pace through 13 games. The record's 1,600 even. So still a long way to go. Uh, they're going to have New Mexico State there late in the season that you would think Kentucky can kind of take care of. And you don't know real how much run that Rodriguez is going to go for, but there's still going to be those games where C-Rod's going to go for 150 and 140 and, and get those big chunks like he did last weekend, like he did against Missouri. If he has a big game against this Georgia defense Saturday, then he's, to me, it's smooth sailing if he stays, stays healthy. He's going to be able to run and run and run. Yeah, I mean – He's having a great year. And then, I mean, you talk about Cavassier Smoke, too, having his best season as well. I mean, the run game has been – it has not fallen off uh, no, by really at all. So No, so they, they've got dudes that are doing it. Uh, I told you – and I, I told you who my X Factor is for Saturday, and I know we'll save that for our predict- predictions episode. It's not Smoke. It's not Rodriguez. But I'm going to save that for Friday's episode. Let's go through the mailbag here. Tyler – AM beat Bama mostly by throwing to targets covered by linebackers and safeties. We've all heard a lot about the Georgia D-line, but if UK can protect Levis, how strong is their secondary? Can we use the AM formula against Georgia? There, that kind of leads into who my kind of game changer could be for Saturday. Um, I'll, I'll just say it. Jatan McLean is my yeah. breakout guy. For Saturday, I'm not going to beat around the bush the rest of the week. I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm, just, I'm not going to give it. I'm going to give it to you right now. Jatan McLean, I just think that there's not a lot of tape on him. We know what he can do, making plays out of that backfield. You can split him out. I love the creativity that Liam Cohen's doing with this offense. I think they're going to have to have guys like that take pressure off of Will Levis in this offense Saturday. Yeah, I agree with you. They're going to have to have some guys step up. Um, yeah, not, not just protecting Levis. My biggest – I guess the biggest deterrent that I have and, you know, determining how much of a shot I give UK and I, you know, I will have to be proven wrong on this. I still don't think they have the perimeter players outside of Wondell to be the team that's good. So Wondell is the guy you need. Um, and speaking of how much trouble they could get the secondary, when I talked to Jake Rowe from 24 uh, seven who, who covers Georgia for, for 24 seven, he, he mentioned that, if there is one area that maybe the secondary has struggled with, it's kind of the smaller, twitchier, the guys like Wandell, basically. So, I mean, I think Wandell can definitely give them some trouble. Um, he's he's given everybody who's played trouble this year pretty much. So, I don't see any reason to think he can't have a couple of big plays. But past that, though, you know, can Isaiah Epps, yep. Demarcus yep. Harris, yep. Chauncey Magwood, you know, McLean, some of these running backs are probably using the passing game. Like, can they get enough there? That is where – I would go into this game thinking that's probably the biggest challenge Kentucky has. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. 
a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Staying out of third and long, too. It's got to yeah. be third and manageable. You cannot get predictable pass. I mean, because then they're, they're going to bring the house at you. Uh, but I, mean, I want to throw this in real quick. I know we're kind of stretched for time, but like a roundabout way, I think planning games like this, regardless of what happens, and to why it's so important that they keep building the momentum, even if they lose, is like they need to keep getting these good skill guys because two years from now, they might have the kind of team, they, they might have the kind of passing offense two years from now that you have the athletes that are good enough to go and make plays through the air. So I don't think that this is quite the personnel that, you know, ideally, Liam Cohen would want to have. I think he's done a good job making it work. Um, but staying competitive, showing something, I think can help you down the road. And you got to keep building, keep getting these very good players, whether they come from the portal or or their high school recruiting ranks. I mean, either way, what they've done this season to put them in that spot should help them down the road. Yeah, and you've got a quarterback that's improving, which leads me to Brandon's question. I've seen one NFL mock draft that had Will Levis going to Washington at number twelve. And that was after UL Monroe. Do you believe Will Levis can be a first-round pick in next year's draft? If he keeps growing as a quarterback, is it realistic for him to be looked at as a top quarterback in this draft class? I think not this draft class, Derek. I think that Will Levis will be at Kentucky again next year. I think uh, a second year in the program, a full year of this season with Liam Cohen. And, I mean, let's just say – let's just assume Liam Cohen's still the offensive coordinator at Kentucky a year from now. I think you could see Levis take a big jump. I think he's got all the traits that a team would look for from a physical standpoint. I mean, he's he looks the part. His arm strength is everything you'd want. I thought his touch was a lot better against LSU, but he's got to keep improving. Um, I'm not sure how how realistic it is at this point, how he would be, you know, where he stacks up in his class. But I think if he keeps improving, then I don't – seen a reason to think he you know wouldn't at least be at least thought of as a draft pick you know after next year I mean if he has another good year um improving the way he needs to I mean I'm with you like I don't see any shot that he leaves after this season I just I just don't think he's gonna have enough um to guarantee a draft spot but next year some of the challenges will be that he most likely won't have his top three receivers from this season, but it's too early to tell if that's going to be, you know, with the portal and the guys are recruiting, who knows what that room is going to look like. So that could be something, but um, I like the way he's trending. I, uh, I just think he needs to keep, obviously the more reps he gets, the better he should get for sure. I know it's cliche to say, but I think you're already seeing that. Um, and this will be the biggest test he faced uh, all season. I mean, the good news is for Kentucky is after you play this game, none of the other teams you play are going to be as good as this team. So, I kept telling you, and I've said on the show, those last five games yep. is where I really want to see, you know, what Levis can do. And I think if he's showing good things there, he'll definitely go into next season on the radar. And then depending on how he plays from there, we'll obviously show how realistic it is if he can be near the top of that draft class. 
Yep. I would yeah. I would probably say no right now, just from what we've seen, but it's there's still so much like no one had Joe Burrow, no, you know, on a radar. I'm not trying to compare those two. I'm just saying like opinions change very quickly on, on quarterbacks. They do. They they certainly do. Uh, and obviously we we know that they need more weapons offensively, which leads us into next question. Is there any more detailed buzz on Dane Key and the other big time recruits UK has had? Had, or had in for visits and other things. What are the chances of landing these stars? Also, any transfer buzz for players from disappointing teams? Cough, LSU, cough. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, you're going to keep your eye on the transfer portal. Kentucky will be active in the transfer portal once again, Derek, especially at those skill positions. We know that they're, they're already looking at, at skill position guys in the portal. So, we know that they're going to be active there. Dane Key announcing soon. So just uh, any updates, any rundowns, anything on, on that from you? Yeah, I think they feel great about Dane Key. He's uh, announcing two weeks from tomorrow. Well, if you're listening to this, uh, it's October 28th. Maybe some people will listen to it tomorrow. But uh, I, he's having a ceremony at Frederick Douglass. I mean, that's traditionally good for the home state school. So I think they, they're, they're definitely the team to beat for him. And, um, you know, the transfer buzz – you don't really want that stuff connected to your school publicly until they're actually in the portal. So uh, yeah. I'm sure not just LSU, but, you know, any, any team that is looking at a potential coaching change or, or uh, instability in the program, then, yeah, I definitely think Kentucky's going to target some of that. And that's why it's big that Kentucky's having the season that they're having. It's early transfer portal days. Like this transfer mm-hmm. portal thing's new. And you have a program like Kentucky that's on the rise, and they're showing that transfers like Will Levis, like Wondell Robinson, Dare Rosenthal, others are having success. That's big for your program because those guys say, okay, I can go to Kentucky. I can go to Kentucky and do that same thing at that program in the SEC, a program that's now in the national spotlight. They're playing on ESPN, CBS Game of the Week, College Game Day in town. Those are big steps for this program that I think where – we got into this at one point. We had questions about the transfer portal. Does it hurt Kentucky because those guys that are underclassmen that don't play, do bigger programs kind of poach them away from you? Well, if that does happen, Kentucky's benefiting from the portal, been saying, okay, come to Kentucky. We can showcase you just the same way that these other programs can. And now that they're putting dudes in the NFL, even better. Derek, and you had a mailbag question, though, about the skill position and should some people move around this week if you want to get to that one. Yes, from a little college buddy, former uh, former sports writer himself, uh, my buddy Josh. He asked, um, should Isaiah Cummings get moved back to wide receiver with the lack of depth there? I'll see him last on the tight end depth chart. wonder if they can make use of him somewhere else. Um, go ahead, Sean, if you want to start. I think you got to have him on the field. I, I really do. I, I think that he has shown to be a guy that can make plays for you. It's unfortunate that he got robbed of a touchdown. On Saturday, because he made a great catch, great play. That was a score. That was a catch and a score. We've already seen him make uh, a touchdown catch earlier in the year. I I think that he could become with Ali out. Levis to me is looking for that guy that who who's the second guy? Who's the other consistent guy? We know it's Epps right now. Can they get a guy that just confirms himself as as number two and number three? And if you're going to go rig and and Bates at tight end, what's what's wrong with uh, splitting out? Cummings and letting him do what he's he's good at and what the versatility that kind of when he switched the tight end that kind of made our eyes pop and say wow that's an instant weapon at that position because of his athleticism put him at wide receiver and let him do some things we know that they're going to have to shuffle guys around on the defensive side this week to get some with some depth issues there with injuries do the same thing on offense and and I'm not going to 
I'm not going to rule it out. I think Liam Cohen is creative enough, Derek, that I honestly believe that – I don't think that they've been holding things back offensively. But what we saw Saturday night was just execution that we hadn't seen at any point in the season. This offense getting more comfortable. You're now seven games in starting this week. I think you can move guys around and, and ask more of others. And I think Cummings could be that guy that maybe makes some plays at that spot. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Isaiah is – he just needs to be targeted more. I think, I mean, I think he's good enough. Yes. And whether he's playing in that traditional tight end role or – he, he gets split out a lot. He, he does. Uh, yeah, he's in there, especially when he's in there with uh, another tight end. He gets split out a lot. So, he's already kind of playing that – he's just a guy that can move around and can do a lot of things with. So, uh, I think he'll be on the field a whole bunch. I mean, he, he's someone to me. I mean, you're going to have Keaton Upshaw coming back next year. Bates is going to be back. Jordan Dingle could take a step. But to me, Cummings is going to be uh, – he's going to get a lot of preseason hype, I think, locally for what he can do in year two as a tight end. Yep, he he absolutely will, which leads us into Brandon's question. Do you expect tight ends to start being used more in the passing game? And why do you think they haven't been? feel like when we hired Liam Cohen, we expected to see them get more involved this year. Uh, well, I can I can tell you this: the the play that Rick got the other night in the background of photos that we have, Eddie Grant had like <laughs> both fists in the air, and I, and like he he was happy that they hit the tight end in that spot. I, I do think that that could be a pressure release for Will Levis if they can find Rig, they can find Bates or Cummings, whoever it is at that spot, especially with Ali out and you're needing, especially in a two, if they double Wandell, you're going to have to have somebody else make some plays. The better that they run the football, though, they get that play action rolling, that's when I think the tight ends come into play. That's a good point. And think about this, too. It didn't work out this way. Um, but obviously, you know, like you mentioned, Reg had the catch for 34 yards. He was the only tight end who had a catch. But if you listen to Liam Cohen postgame, he actually said that the play that uh, Levis made on the touchdown pass to Wandell, that was a design for Brendan Bates. So Bates could have had a touchdown there, had it worked out that way. I don't think he ever got open. Uh, but that was that was where he wanted to go was to a tight end. And then you mentioned that Cummings, you know, should have had a touchdown. Are we talking a little, at least a little bit differently about the tight ends if those things go the other way? You know what I mean? Because that's yeah. all three guys making a, a pretty big play. Had it worked out that way. So um I, I think I mentioned that, you know, that I was I can't maybe it was after the might have been after the South Carolina game when I was mentioning kind of the target share that I, I did feel like the tight ends maybe would have been a little bit more involved. But they're out there a lot. They're still developing this passing game. You know, some of it, too, is, is Levis finding those guys. Uh, but the plays that are designed to them have worked out pretty well. So uh, I think you'll see that continue as, as the offense gets a little bit better. Once everybody gets a little bit more comfortable with, with each other, I think you'll see more and more throws at the tight end. And, and I think next year in particular, those guys will be heavily utilized in this offense. Yeah, I'm going to read an answer to the next couple. Uh, Casey, do you think Cohen opened up the full playbook against LSU or still has some tricks up his sleeve for the dogs? I do think that this offense will get creative and have some tricks, but I think that you're seeing execution come into play now. You're seeing a quarterback get more comfortable, and you're just seeing the, the, the stuff that you're talking about. The back half of the schedule, this offense should look its best. So I think that you're going to start seeing that. Uh, and then we missed this one from Justin. With Ox and Bully out, where do we go? I think we've hit on that on yesterday's episode of what they're going to do with Ripka and some other guys that you expect them to, to go that route. Uh, making sure I haven't missed anything. Ezra, right here, for Melbeck. I would like your all's opinion on this. Would you guys like to see sets with Wandell 
and Jaton or Wandell and C-Rod lining up in the backfield running an RPO or even a play action, selling the run for a Wandell wheel route, kind of how Sean McVay does with uh, – is it Cooper Cup, I believe, is, is who's out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a good point. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to, uh, on the podcast or to my buddies when we were playing PlayStation the other night, but <laughs> I was watching a little bit of the Chiefs. Obviously, we know that Wandell left Nebraska because he did not want to be a running back. Yeah. But the other night, I saw Seth watching the uh, Sunday Night Football. Tyreek Hill lined up in the backfield with uh, Mahomes and I think Clyde Edwards-Elair. So, like, I, I don't think Wondell would mind that sometimes, you know, every now and then. I'm not – I think he's doing very well at wide receiver, but just giving the defense something else to think about. You know, I, I do think that lining up Wondell with Jaton could provide some some pretty interesting possibilities. And then you got Levis as a running threat, too. I think there are things they can do in this offense. And I don't know that that's what they're going to try to do this weekend, but those final five games, I'm very – I'm still very optimistic to see this team as it continues to grow offensively and finds its identity. Yeah, we have two questions left here. This one is from Nigel. says, if you had to predict today, what bowl game does Kentucky end up in? New Year's Six will be my prediction. I think so, yeah. They go New Year's Six. They win Saturday, and I might change that thing to the college football playoff. Well, yeah, if they win Saturday, they're – well within the discussion to be a still think they're going to be in the conversation for it even if they lose if they're competitive and they compete i told you this and i don't know if i said it on the podcast if they compete saturday and let's say that they go down there and they lose by one score and they've got you have espn alerts going out upset alert in athens you know they're going they're going to do it if it happens how many votes do they get in the ap poll that sends them up the AP poll, wow. given what we've seen Georgia do to these other teams, if Kentucky looks prepared and has an opportunity, there's still a lot to play for when you wake up on Sunday morning and get ready for that next week. Alabama has a loss in the West. I think Georgia's better than Alabama this year. I think Alabama gets a second loss. Take care of business and finish 11-1. and one. You never know what happens. Yeah, I mean, if they're 11-1, and one, they're going to be in the conversation as a uh... – SEC team, but I think even 10 and 2, I think it's going to be good enough for New Year's Six Bowl. Well, we um, got Kentucky fans, though, that are thinking 12 and 0. And I mean, obviously. Hell, until Saturday's it, over, why not? Continue, yeah. continue to think it. I told someone yeah. yesterday, do not stop believing in it <laughs> because you're at this point in the season, Derek. You mentioned it the other day, nothing's too far fetched, nothing's too crazy if you're 6 and 0 at this yeah. point. Yeah, I, mean, I mentioned, you know, being a wet blanket. That's just because, like, I, I don't want to get this thrown off. Like, I, I just think. This is Georgia's year regardless, and I don't think – You said that in July too, though. Yeah. So, I don't think that, like, you need to be – if UK doesn't look great Saturday, there are still so much to play for this season, and you can still legitimately finish 11-1, and one, and that is a great year. Hopefully the team takes that mentality, but I also see the flip side. I see that, you know, you can't guarantee, again, that Kentucky's going to be in a spot like this often. It just does not come around very much, so I understand the – the passion to really want to take advantage of this opportunity. And I don't blame people for that way. I'm just saying there's, this is still should be a great season regardless of what happens in Athens. And let's wrap this up with Ben, which inside food combo should Levis eat next? So we've had the banana. I want to think about it, man. We've had the unpeeled banana brown. We've had mayonnaise and coffee. Oh man. What does Will Levis do next? The, first of all, the mayonnaise and coffee is way worse, right? Yeah, it, it's so far, so it's much worse. Awful. Poor, yeah. poor Alyssa Lang. She's had some really good meals this year on the sideline. 
but she's also had to do some very crazy stuff and credit to her that she always follows up when Kentucky wins, she comes back and she does it. But I, I know that she's probably hoping Lord, dear Lord, please will just drink coffee normal one day. So yeah. I, I don't know what he's going to come up with next, but I'm, I'm willing to bet it will be something off the wall that he's going to do. And yeah, no, that's just so gross. <laughs> Awful. Man. Well, as always, this episode's powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, three locations. You don't have to get any crazy combos there. You can get all the delicious food at the Butcher's Pub. You can get that in Palmville, Kentucky, Williamsburg, Kentucky, or London, Kentucky. If you're not in Athens Saturday or at your house watching the game, make it out to one of those locations to catch Kentucky Georgia at 3.30. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.